<sighs> the comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All rise. Welcome to the Cyber Law and Business Report. Get the top story on the hot button internet legal topics of the day. This is your home for the latest on internet law and policy. Hear the latest net trends impacting business and have your questions answered right here. This is the Cyber Law and Business Report. Now, please welcome your host, the founder of the Internet Law Center, Bennett Kelly. for a while and so well as FTC defense and and um, 
and you write about uh, uh, the, the one spam case that uh, we had against um, ASUS Internet Services because we got a, a $800,000 fee award against them, and then we went after them. They sort of disintegrated and disappeared into cracks and crevices after that. <laughs> and um, yeah, the cracks and crevices specialty is a hard one. But I, so um, today you have uh, you, you have a, a you know obviously the area of revenge plans are relatively new form of uh, cyber harassment that we've been doing with. And um, so you've won what appears to be one of the first major verdicts, civil verdicts in the area. Tell us about it. That's right. It's, it's, it's the first uh, revenge porn civil verdict uh, in the country that we know of. And uh, it started out uh, about a year and a half ago when uh, the plaintiff, uh, the victim, Ms. Um, Liam came to us. And uh, she was the victim of revenge porn. She was in a, uh, a relationship with her boyfriend years ago, and they took pictures of one another. They were consensual, and the boyfriend kept the photos. Uh, years later, they broke up, and then a few years later, uh, those photos got into the hand of the jealous new girlfriend of that old boyfriend. And those photos went up onto a fake website that was in the name of my client, the plaintiff, and uh, these nude photos, um, and I should say they're nude explicit photos, uh, they were all placed on this, this fake Facebook page and there were friend requests that were sent out to my client's friends, relatives, and they were also uploaded onto her work's Facebook page. Uh, so uh, it, it was a horrible situation, but I think many people have heard this before because it's a, unfortunately a fact scenario that's becoming more and more common where you have, um, it's, it's usually ex-boyfriends, uh, um, uh, attempting to hurt their ex-girlfriends um, to, to exact revenge and to inflict severe emotional distress by publishing nude and explicit photos that were taken consensually years before. I actually had a case almost identical, but the only thing different was that uh, it was the boyfriend, as you mentioned, and um, except he was a, he was a seaman, and he um, spent ninety percent of his time in international waters. So it really made going after him difficult. So um, let's talk about how. So do you have much difficulty identifying who who was responsible? We did not. I mean, first we went to Facebook and we got IP addresses for all the posts, and um, and we also pretty much knew who was most, most likely behind it. I mean, the ex-boyfriend had exclusive possession of the photos, and there were, some, there were some statements from the new girlfriend defendant that uh, right before the incident that led us to believe that she was about to do something pretty hateful and revengeful. Uh, so, uh, but but the, the IP addresses that we obtained from Facebook really uh, uh, closed the book on that issue, and that, that was... That was really wasn't in dispute. So you, you, you bring a lawsuit, and, and, and these, in this area, you know, so often, you know, that's the biggest hurdle, is um, they, they come to you, they want you to help, and, and you want, but they also, 
they're reluctant to litigate just because that that's another further public um, kind of you know, announcement of this situation. And so was it hard to get them to, to litigate? You know, that was that's a real dilemma for a lot of women out there who are victims of revenge porn, and uh, uh, it was a, a, a difficult decision. But in the end, um, our client thought it was best to move forward. Uh, it, what's interesting is that Assembly Member Bob Wykowski in California here has introduced a bill just a couple weeks ago for a. Um, a, a revenge porn civil statute. And in this bill, uh, one of the things that it provides is the ability for victims uh, of revenge porn to move forward on an anonymous basis, in other words, a uh, 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 pseudonymous basis, in other words, a Jane Doe. So instead of your name as, uh, as the plaintiff, you would be Jane Doe. Uh, there's also you know, the possibility that you could that you could, even without this statute, this new bill that may become a statute, uh, you could maybe still proceed as a, as a Jane Doe, but there are procedural issues with that, and it can be challenged by, by defendants. So you're right, this is, a, this is a, a big decision because you really, a lot of these victims don't want to draw any more attention to what happened to them, especially, you know, for professional reasons. Uh, uh, complaints can be on the Internet for many years, and, and when people interview for new jobs, you know, one of the first things that potential employers do is do a Google search, and if a complaint pops up with all this information about this dispute, new photos, that may not, may not bode well no. you know, for, for, for that person getting a job. So the flip side is that once you file the lawsuit, and you had to take this to trial. Why, why would the other side try to fight it? Well, uh, the other side did fight it, and, 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 and we did take it to trial, and, and we had 12 jurors um, that heard all of the evidence, and they, they returned a verdict of $250,000. Uh, I, I personally think it should have been over a million. Um, um, How are they measuring the damages? Is this the damages are... That's correct. The damages were only emotional distress damages. And that's what's sort of unique about these cases is that, I mean, I, I guess you could have um, some sort of physical manifestation of emotional distress, but in many cases you don't. You have horrible humiliation. You have professional careers that are ruined. Mm -hmm. uh, you have personal relationships that are, if not ruined, changed forever because of these photos that are that are published about about uh, victims. So, and so, so, so going back to the, the statute that the uh, the was working on, it, it was the issue was was proving emotional distress uh, a burden in this case. That's a that's a good question because when you look at how we proceeded you know, proceeded with our lawsuit and how. That this bill is structured. The, 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 this bill, if it becomes a law, would make it easier for women to come forward and, and litigate these cases because we pled the case as um, a case of intentional infliction of emotional distress, and that that emotional distress needs to be severe emotional distress. And there's special jury instructions that the jurors get about how it has to has to be something no one should be expected to suffer in any sort of civilized society. And when you look at the bill, this proposed bill, 
Um, it's just emotional distress, not severe emotional distress. Uh, so that's, I think it would make it easier if this law was passed. You know, we, we did also plead negligence claims as well as intrusion into privacy. Uh, and, the, and, and, and the jurors um, gave us a verdict on both the privacy claims. Uh, and, and with on negligence, the, the jury found that the ex-boyfriend was negligent because he allowed the photos to get into the hands of his jealous new girlfriend. And, and then the, the, this new girlfriend, Ms. Rodell, uh, she um, <clears throat> she was found liable on the on the privacy uh, claims uh, and punitive damages for sixty thousand dollars. So the the two hundred fifty thousand uh, is that include the punitive or is that um, was that two hundred fifty thousand in emotional distress damages? It was um, uh, two hundred. Well, the way it was broken down, it was a hundred thousand dollars for negligence against the ex boyfriend, and uh, it was. Um, Thirty thousand dollars. Actually, take it back. Seventy thousand dollars for intrusion into privacy. Uh, Twenty uh, regarding the the, the um, new girlfriend, Ms. Rodell. Uh, Twenty thousand dollar verdict negligence regarding Ms. Rodell, and then sixty thousand dollars in punitive damages against Ms. Rodell. So that's a total of two hundred fifty thousand dollars. So a hundred thousand dollars regarding the ex-boyfriend who never uploaded anything supposedly. Just you know, didn't safeguard the photos, and then $150,000 against this new girlfriend who actually did the uploading. Now, um, two questions. One kind of trivial, but are, are they still together? <laughs> I believe they are, but this is obviously something that can put some stress on her. I, I was thinking just that. Now, the other is that it seems that with, with their... Um, was the timing of this such that it came before the depersonation statute went into effect? Uh, the, uh, the, the timing was interesting. First off, the, the jurors started deliberating on Valentine's Day. <laughs> sort of, uh, interesting, but regarding the timing of statutes, um, there is a revenge porn criminal statute in California. And the facts of this case, I mean, they essentially happened in 2012, happened before the criminal statute was passed. So that didn't come into play. Uh, even if, the, if, 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 if it did happen after that criminal statute, it wouldn't really apply here because the criminal statute only applies to the people who take, take the photos right. and then upload them. And here, here's the person that took the photos wasn't uploading them. But there's, uh, there's also the Smithian... Um, Bill that went into law a couple, a couple of years ago on e-personation, you know, when they when they created the Facebook page that of, of her, you know, um, was that available or was that not? It was available. available. That's um, California Penal Code five two eight point five, which is we call it credible impersonation, and it's a criminal statute. However, there's a civil claim for relief within the statute, and we pled that. And the and we pled it because there was a Facebook page created in the name of our client with a photo of our client um, as the profile photo. So when people got friend requests from this fake account, it had our client's name, it had our client's photo. And many of these people who got the friend requests accepted the friend requests. Right. So our theory was the, the impersonation was credible because people accepted the friend requests. Surprisingly, the jury disagreed on that claim. Really? That, 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 that uh, people should, um, should not, uh, reasonable people would not have believed 
that the, uh, the, the, the defendant was really the plaintiff uh, when, they, when they received the, the friend request. So we were shocked that the, the jury would think like that because we thought that we had absolute proof that, that it was reasonable because we had actual people who accepted the friend request, but perhaps the jury was thinking that, that maybe something was off. Um, because they were already friends with 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 our client, and there's another friend right. request, and and um, but, so, but but the point is, uh, it 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 shows you how there is sort of a need for uh, a revenge porn uh, statute, civil statute, because what we did is we pled a variety of common law torts, uh, as well as this this incredible impersonation statutory violation, but we were sort of creating this patchwork of, of claims to try to address something that's, that had really unique facts right. uh, in, 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 in involving social media and the Internet, and we're trying to apply these torts that have been around for over 100 years in California and other states, intentional infliction of emotional distress, etc. So it, sometimes they just don't fit right. Um, they don't fit just right. So that's why I think uh, a revenge porn statute would be helpful. How how was the jury in, in terms of uh, dealing with this type of issue? Uh, how uh, and were you able to screen for just people who had some familiarity with social media, or were there some, um, for lack of a better word, troglodytes on the panel? Uh, we were able to do that. In fact, I asked all the jurors if they knew what Facebook was, if they if they had Facebook accounts, if they ever received friend requests, if they ever sent friend requests. And uh, it, everybody who ended up on the jury was familiar with Facebook. Some of them didn't have accounts, but family members had accounts, and they were familiar with what friend requests were. So that actually was not an issue, just understanding the technology. To our knowledge, it wasn't an issue. But, but it was because we were very careful to, um, to screen for people that had some familiarity um, with Facebook and social media during our voir process, which is when you want to ask questions to the jury. Now, you, it, one problem that comes up in this area is the, the blame the victim. And, uh, you know, well, what, what were you doing having naked pictures? You know, um, you know, girlfriend, the answer is just, you know, keep your clothes on. And how, how, was it, how did the jury react when, obviously, these pictures had to be put into evidence? It was really difficult. It was really difficult. In fact, there were some potential jurors that that were excused, not they were not um, impaneled um, into the jury because they felt uncomfortable in that highly emotional situation um, of being able having to look at the photos. Uh, I don't think that the, the, the jurors wanted to look at the photos. Uh, our you know our our client was going through an extremely emotional time during the trial, testifying. And it, it was really, it was, it was riveting and so um, emotional, that experience, um, that uh, I don't think the jurors would ever want to do it, want to do it again in one of these cases because um, it, it's easy just to talk about it like we are now, but when you really get down to analyzing the relationships involved um, that, that have uh, sort of been built up for many years, especially family relationships, and how this sort of thing can affect them. It's, it's highly emotional. 
Now, you, you had asserted claims against the defendants involving negligence. Did that trigger any insurance coverage on their part? You know, would, would they, would they, would, was uh, the insurance funding their defense at all? It was not. Um, that would have been nice, but um, it was not. Uh, there was insurance, some homeowners insurance, but the defendants uh, forgot to pay the bill. And there's a lesson. Yes. And um, so um, what is the deadline for them to appeal? It's, uh, it, it's coming up here um, in the next couple weeks. Uh, it's un, yeah, it's unclear if they, if they are going to appeal. Um, we'll, we'll know here, um, as I said, in the next few weeks whether or not there are any post-trial motions or notices of appeal that are filed. So we're going to take a short break. When we come back, we'll have more from Carl Cronenberger on this important case on revenge porn. You're listening to Cyber Law and Business Report, only on Webmaster Radio. Stay tuned for more of the Cyber Law and Business Report. After this brief recess for our sponsors. And the bench. There are many things we would love to catch. Catching the final out of a baseball game. And that's the ball game. Reeling that big catch of the day. Or catching a ride home. Catching. How about catching more attention like the biggest retail brands on earth? Introducing Catchy.com, where they sell short-branded, attractive.com domain names. Use a short and catchy brand, just like Sony, Visa, and Nike for your next business venture. You can even rent to own for as low as $100 a month. Catch a big break for your business with Catchy.com. Oh, yeah. My day is done. Time for happy hour. You're already done for the day? Yeah, because I use CertifiedKnowledge.org. Their PPC tools literally save me hours every day. How do you keep on top of all of Google's new features? Easy. With Certified Knowledge, their interactive learning modules keep me up to date. And if there's something I don't know, I can watch their video lessons without having to hunt around the Google Health files. Great. I'm ready to expand my knowledge. I'm Mike Edis. I'm the only leader officially supported by Google to teach the advanced track of the AdWords Seminars for Success. I personally recommend CertifiedKnowledge.org as your one-stop shop for all your PPC needs. Learn. Optimize. Connect. Be smart. Go to CertifiedKnowledge.org now. Building better search engine rankings takes the right formula. Tracking those rankings is super simple. All you need is AuthorityLabs.com. Authority Labs uses automated daily rank tracking tools to monitor your site's performance or leverage their API to build your own tools. No matter what animal-labeled algorithms affect your ranking, you should be using Authority Labs. Unlimited users for no additional cost and white labeling can help keep your clients updated and save countless hours of creating reports. Whether you're running sites with just a few or millions of keywords, what you need is AuthorityLabs.com. Welcome to SEO 101, your introductory course on search engine optimization. So, turn on your computers, open your minds, grab your mouse, and get ready to get back to the basics. SEO 101. On demand anytime inside the Search Engine Optimization Channel, only on WebmasterRadio.fm. The best gavel-to-gavel legal news and information on the net is right here. This is the Cyber Law and Business Report, only on WebmasterRadio.fm. And we're back, and we're talking to Carl Kornberger about his impressive victory in um, getting a quarter billion dollar judgment in a revenge porn case. And, and Carl, you know, over the years, I guess, or maybe just the last two years, 
How frequent do you get calls now on revenge porn versus maybe two years ago? We, we are getting a lot more people contacting, contacting us over the last few years. Uh, I think that, unfortunately, it's been sort of a, uh, a trend where uh, people, you know, were really thinking about um, the ability to, to hurt someone in this way. Um, it, it's, uh, it's interesting how sort of, uh, sort of how people have certain morals in their regular life, but they have other morals when it's on the web. It's right. They, they're sort of invincible and, and bulletproof if, if they can do something that's, sort of, that's relatively anonymous on the web. And unfortunately, there's been a trend where people have been using photos and other things to, to hurt people and invade people's privacy as a way to extort people or to take revenge upon people. And because of that, there have been websites that have been created just right. for the purpose of revenge porn. And, and, and um, uh, as a response to that, you are seeing um, more criminal statutes. I think there are three states now that have criminal revenge porn statutes. And then you're also seeing litigation. You're seeing victims fight back, like, like in, in our case. And, you know, we actually had some of the victims involved in some of the, the Texas and Florida um, litigation uh, on our show a couple months back. And, you know, I got to tell you, they were just impressive women in terms of the, the, you know, the, the guts they had shown. And, and um, you know, they, they would have, they basically were floored. And they picked themselves up and, uh, and they fought back. And, they kind of came back stronger and more confident than before. Um, so how was your client at the end of all this? Uh, our client was, I think, mostly concerned with making certain that these defendants and other people out there know that this is just wrong and that this is not acceptable behavior. Now, you, you, you can see what's happening in a lot of high school environments these days, and there's a lot of really hateful, vicious things going on, and there's a lot of sort of revenge porn type activities among among kids, and unfortunately, that's sort of forming the way that um, these people think as they grow older, and I think, so it's important that we have court cases uh, like this that, to show people that this is absolutely wrong that it's not appropriate in any way for any civilized society. And if you do it, you will pay dearly in a civil way and perhaps even through criminal sanctions. Or, I mean, yeah, to be sensitive to you're talking about high school students. You know, there you're talking about, you know, child pornography all of a sudden. And that, that's right. That's right. But, but I, I'm, I'm also just concerned about the, the fact that uh, a lot of high schoolers may be um, sort of, uh, desensitized to a lot of these revenge porn issues because in high school there is so much sexting and other activity that's going on where um, where you've got forms of revenge porn at that level which and, and there are often no consequences and that does not um, that that is not helpful when it comes to sort of forming people's you know opinions and morals about like what is right and what is wrong right. in society. So that's why I think that it's, it's, it's women fighting back through litigation and prosecutors bringing revenge porn um, 
claims uh, against defendants. That's important to show people that this is just flat out wrong and it should not be happening, and there are huge penalties if you do it. Now, are you finding, if you had any interactions with prosecutors on this at all, and are you finding them to be receptive, or um, you know, sometimes in cyber issues there's a, a kind of a reluctance to, to get involved, it seems? There is, there is a reluctance to get involved. Uh, I think that where you do see uh, prosecutors getting involved is when the revenge porn is in conjunction with a number of other threats and stalking behavior, and then you've got uh, uh, civil and temporary restraining orders that are issued, uh, and we, there are a number of, uh, of those sort of cases out there that I've heard of and followed. Um, but unfortunately, it's, it's usually not to the point where there's some potential, threat of potential violence when prosecutors are getting involved. I mean, I think it's, it's, it's probably tough at this point to get prosecutors involved in just the sort of um, generic <laughs> revenge porn fact scenario. Right. Where there's, there's, there's no threat to do any physical harm, the, 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 the intent was only to harm some, someone emotionally. Yeah, that, that's the hard part. I mean, it seems the prosecutors, they, they want that, that threat element, because part of it is statutory, too. Now, in going, and, and we only have a few minutes left, but going to the, the statute, it would seem that, you know, in, you can borrow from defamation. In defamation, there are certain things that are just so bad that um, damages are presumed, you know, um, per se defamation. And, and could, wouldn't that be an appropriate thing to borrow here in the statute? I mean, if someone's posting nude pictures of you, you know, can't, can't you presume emotional distress? I think that you can, I think you can presume that there's emotional distress to the extent that you may not need to require that the, that the emotional distress is severe. The problem is, People are all different. People have different lives. People, some people may be more sensitive to certain things than other people. Some people have more to lose. Um, a, an investment banker that's making a million dollars a year and has, um, has this happen to her um, uh, where she's the victim and, 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 and she maybe loses out on millions and millions of dollars uh, you know, over the course of you know, the next five years, that may be very different than someone with maybe some you know, administrative job or, or a job where they're, they're not being paid that much because there, there are all these different factors that, that go into jurors thinking about what the, the damage is. Right. Um, so, um, so I think that statutory damages would be difficult to, to, to to sort of work into the statute, and they actually aren't in the in, in the draft bill here. Uh, I I, uh, the, uh, I think what's important though is that the way the bill is written, and I think there'll probably be other bills bills in other states. There there is a presumption that this is um, horrendous activity. This is this is wrong. It's morally wrong, and there's a presumption that it's wrong so that you can use these statutes and then you don't need to jump through all the different hoops of these uh, proven common law tort. For example, with intentional official emotional distress, you need to prove that something is outrageous. And there's all this case law in, in every state as to what conduct is outrageous. 
And if you don't prove the conduct is outrageous, you lose. Right. Now, if, 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 you, if, you, if you proceed under a statute, the re, a revenge porn statute, that just assumes that it's outrageous, it makes it easier for victims to prosecute their, their, their cases in civil courts. Well, um, if people want to learn more about you, your practice, Carl, where should they go? Uh, they uh, should go to our website at krinternetlaw.com. Um, and also carlcronenberger.com. And I'd be happy to uh, talk to anybody that's, you know, suffering through this, this sort of um, situation. In a way, it was, it was different for our firm because our firm usually is involved in business, business litigation involving Internet and technology. But we ventured out and took this, this unique case because we just thought it was the right thing to do. I'm glad you did. Thank you very much, Carl. I appreciate you having me on, and I uh, hope you'll come back again for your next victory. Uh, thank you, Bennett. And um, so there have been a number of other um, major stories on the Internet in terms of some recent opinions, and one that has that people are talking a lot about is the recent Ninth Circuit opinion on um, involving the Innocence of Muslims video. And um, YouTube, you may recall, we, um, there was a, uh, a brief uh, video, it was kind of like a 12-minute preview that was done in connection of this, this movie supposedly called The Innocence of Muslims that was a place on YouTube and it triggered riots throughout the Middle, the Middle East and ultimately was being one of the contributing factors to the Benghazi riots um, that, that proved so tragic. And um, the, the, the video is completely outrageous. It's very poor quality, but um, you know, it depicts um, you know um, it, it depicts um, Allah, Allah. It depicts um, Muhammad as being you know, this, this lurid child, child molester, and um, it's very um, blasphemous from a you know, from a Muslim perspective. And um, there was an actress who has a very small um, part in this. I mean, she's only on for a half a minute of this 12-minute clip. And she originally filmed a, a, a part for the producer in, in an unrelated um, segment and unrelated to this film. And they converted that segment and they redubbed it um, and to put it into this, you know, anti-Islamic film. And um, she sued for copyright infringement. She said that they're using her performance and, you know, recharacterizing it uh, for this purpose. It was a, a matter of copyright infringement. And then since she had received death threats because of it, that therefore she was, um, you know, she needed this to be taken down. And it went all the way up to the Ninth Circuit and... Um, the Ninth Circuit actually ordered Google to take it down. Um, despite the highly questionable nature of the claim, um, it, uh, it really isn't a claim that an actor's performance can, can up, is, is copyrightable. I mean, there's really concern that if this isn't immediately reversed, you're going to have all these different actors um, claiming a copyright interest <coughs> in um, various performances out there since if the contracts they signed didn't cover this. And, uh, and so, in any event, usually when you have a ruling that calls for some kind of injunctive relief or, or requires something to be taken down, 
You know, there's one requirement is you have to show a likelihood of success on the merits. And then there's a balancing. And um, here, the court just, you know, um, skipped the, the, the question of likelihood of success and it appears to have gone and, and didn't even engage in any balancing. It just said, well, copyright trumps First Amendment, and that, that's the balance we're going to take. And the opinion um, has been widely criticized that the Ninth Circuit would actually reach this conclusion in order, you know, YouTube to take the video down. Um, you know, the dissent was quite vocal that there's no case does copyright protection extend to acting performances and then the um, other commentators were just, just severe in their criticism. Um, for example, um, none other than none better than our, our, this show's friend uh, Eric Goldman, a professor at Santa Clara, who said this opinion sucks rotten rotten eggs. It is so terrible that there's simply no point trying to make sense of it. I'm fascinated by well-meaning folks who have tried to treat it as a serious statement of the law. It is not. It is a one-off hack of the law, and treating it as anything more will take you um, towards insanity. And um, so he clearly wasn't hedging his, his um, viewpoint there. Um, others have been similarly, equally damning. Um, for example, um, Lee Rowland, a Mike Tupamaznik of Tector, who's been on the show, said almost everything about Kaczynski's ruling here is troubling. The copyright interpretation just seems very far out of bounds with just about everything to do with copyright law. Um, it will create tremendous problems for the film industry. The First Amendment incompletions of both the takedown and gag order are similarly troubling. Um, Lee Rowland of the ACLU, however painful this experience has been for Garcia, the solution cannot be to censor all access to movie that's at the heart of a global debate about policy and politics. Um, so it's really troubling that this has gone forward. Um, there's going to be a motion by Google to have the opinion reconsidered or, or heard on bond by the Ninth Circuit. And um, so that is that just came down last week. Um, also going on at the same time is we're continuing to have fallout from the target data breach, which has now become one of the largest data breaches in history. And um, we're also learning that Target was warned of the risk and, and actually chose, firmly chose not to take action. Um, and so it becomes part of a recurring thing that we've talked about on this show, and that theme is of the lack of really a market incentive to address um, cybersecurity. And, um, but maybe this might be the case that changes that. Because we're seeing actually Target having serious financial repercussions because of this. Their sales have dropped off significantly um, in, in, since the breach. And now we have Attorney General Holder has stepped forward. Um, they are investigating targeted further actions. But he has called for Congress to create a national standard, you know, a single national data breach law. Right now we have, I think it's 46 states that have data breach laws. But there's various levels of you know, requirements and codes and protections. And um, given the, the nature of what's involved, um, it makes sense, I think, to have one single standard for data breaches. And it actually, the industry is receptive to that because, as you know, I mentioned, having to comply with 46 um, different state laws is never easy under any circumstance. So um, 
you know, this is something that's really started to crescendo. Uh, and maybe this will, this is the Dowdy's moment. This is the moment that people realize um, this needs to be taken more seriously. In 2011, a survey of um, you know, leading um, companies in, in North America um, and, and the CEOs asked, you know, are you doing enough on cybersecurity? And only 13% said yes. You know, 87% of the CEOs were aware that they weren't doing enough and were comfortable with that. And, you know, maybe this target reach will lead to that changing. Now, uh, on a slightly lighter note, um, there's a, study, uh, a survey in the Los Angeles Times today, um, I believe today, um, of, done by VoucherCloud.net. And um, just having awareness, awareness of, of um, consumers, consumers of, of you know, terms that terms we use, that we use on the show all the time and to and see to how, see how they are. They are and, and so the headline, the headline grabbing that 11% of, of the respondents think that HTML, HTML is essentially transmitted disease. And, and so, so <laughs> if someone ever, if someone ever tells you to eradicate HTML, you know they're one of those 11%. But it's numerous. Um, um, 23 23 percent thought MP3 was a Star Wars robot. robot. Um, um, 42% believe motherboard, motherboard, but deck the deck of a cruise, cruise ship. ship. 27% gigabyte, gigabyte is, a, is insect commonly found, found in South America. America. And, and, and 77% identify what SEO means. And my 12% of USB is an accurate for your country. So, uh, so uh, it's uh, it's uh, <laughs> in, the in, the area, in this area. Obviously, we we, we tend to fall into jargon. jargon, jargon and and have a kind of a reminder, reminder that that um, jargon jargon may not always be the refuge. It should be. Yeah, be yeah, uh, now we may be more clear. More clear. Now another now, another milestone that happened. happened um, um, it's our last our last broadcast. Broadcast is Kickstarter. Now now billionaire. Um, they, um, they, 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 they've now raised, now raised more than, more than a billion dollars, and to get and to there, get there, they give with five five point seven seven million people um, um, two hundred four countries and all and seven, all seven continents. continents. And when I saw and when that, I, saw I, that, said, I said, "Wait a minute!" They actually, they actually have people are giving? giving, giving, and yes, and yes, they, they did. Eleven people at some at some point contributed to Kickstarter. Um, um, but so, so uh, congratulations to them, them on their billionth um, um, contribution. And initially developed as a, a crowdfunding, crowdfunding regulation regulations regress in, in Washington. Washington. You know, the, you know, the, the draft, draft, draft regulations circulating circulating at the Exchange Commission as part, as part of the crowdfunding act, act, which was part of the Jobs Act. That President Obama, President Obama two years ago. Years ago. Um, um, you're starting, you're starting to see state states permitting crowdfunding. crowdfunding. And so, for example, right, for example, right now, now, Maryland just recently enabled crowdfunding, crowdfunding forward. forward. And, uh, and uh, so, so right, right now, right now, now there's, there's an organization, organization called called um, Fundrise, Fundrise that actually, actually fundrise.com that is that putting, is putting together, together opportunities, opportunities for, for consumers, consumers to invest in, in, in real estate, real estate um, major real estate, real estate projects. projects. And um, and we have and for as little as a hundred dollars. 
And so you're able, so you're able to participate on a crowd, uh, on a crowd basis, basis in, in, in revitalizing your own community. And, uh, and uh, so you're going to want to so check out, out fundrise.com, fundrise. which is an interesting model. model. And now that you, now that you have, have, have that ability, ability um, um, to participate on a, on a crowd, crowd basis, basis is definitely a more, interesting, more interesting model. But, um, but um, we're going to move we're gonna have a we're gonna break, have a break, in, a break in a minute. Um, but when um, we, but come, when we back, come back, I want I want to uh, talk about some some um, sad news. Sad news involving uh, a very good friend of the show and something, and that, something we that we all should learn from, from it. From it. And um, and, um, and I also want to sad note that today, today is the twenty um, second anniversary of the death of John Belushi. And and he was definitely he was definitely for those of you who are old enough, old enough or to remember to remember he was a, he was a, a brilliant comment and we lost him lost far too far too soon. So so we'll be back we'll be back after these messages you'll listen to the law and your business report. Stay tuned, Stay tuned for more of the business report after this press press for our sponsors. Why do Why over, over 15,000 small businesses work in Infusionsoft? Because we, because we believe in people and, and their dreams. We empower entrepreneurs and our groundbreaking tools help small businesses grow and thrive. We listen. We care. We serve our customers and we do what we say we'll do. We're always trying to find new ways to innovate and to improve our all-in-one sales and marketing platform. Most of all, from email to e-commerce, we help small businesses like your succeed. Go to
there's actually there's a campaign down actually trying to um, combat that and uh but you know most people know that smoking causes cancer but may not realize how many non-smokers get lung cancer every year 16,000 to 24,000 Americans die of lung cancer even though they never smoked in fact lung cancer and non-smokers had its own separate, if it was its own separate category, would rank among the 10 um, most fatal cancers in the United States. And um, some also, also um, sources of um, carcinogens that can cause lung cancer for non-smokers are radon gas, secondhand smoke, and then uh, other, you know, cancer-causing agents at work. Air pollution, obviously an issue for those of us in here in Southern California, as well as gene mutations. And uh, so try to become aware, if you can, of what those are. And um, because it's, you know, cancer is just a, such a devastating thing. Um, and, uh, you know, our heart goes out to, to Eric and his wife and family as they, they suffer through this. Um, his wife's blog is... Um, Lisa.EricGoldman.org, and it's every breath you t- every breath I take. Um, and she said lung cancer takes more lives than breast, prostate, and colon cancers combined. One in fourteen people will be diagnosed with lung cancer. Nearly eighty percent of new lung cancer cases are former or never smokers, and uh, the survival rate of lung cancer is only fifteen point nine percent the five-year survival rate, whereas breast cancer has advanced to 98.6 and prostate cancer to 99.2% five-year survival. And um, the percentage of lung cancer diagnosed before it has spread is only 15%. And so um, for those of you who know Eric and his family, if you can follow them and give support to them in, in this awful time, um, and for those of you who don't, um, but you can just become aware of what this is and, um, and let make people aware that just because you don't smoke doesn't mean you can't get lung cancer and, and do what you can to um, protect yourself and protect your loved ones. So, um, but it was, uh, we're very sad to, to hear this news for Eric and we wish him the best. Um, but now one of the... Um, show alumni who's been in the news has been uh, Mark Rendaza and uh, he, he was back from Italy where he was getting an LLM and uh, he also um, recently he criticized the uh, law firm of Mayor Brown and Platt. There's been a lawsuit that was been filed here in Los Angeles over the city of Glendale, California. Um, they posted a memorial to the comfort women of World War II, and comfort women were women that the, the Japanese Imperial Army had forced to become prostitutes. And uh, so we were, we were short on time, but uh, you want to take a look at Mark's blog post on that, and there's also a blog on the cyberlawradio.com um, as well about that. And uh, Mark basically, it's an effort to whitewash history, and, and Mark right, rightfully pointed that out. But... Um, I want to thank um, Carl for joining us earlier today, and uh, I'll congratulate him once again. And um, this is Bennett Kelly with the Internet Law Center in Santa Monica. Um, we do a lot of the same stuff as Carl, and, uh, but it's always a pleasure to work with him. But if you want to give us a call, we're at internetlawcenter.net. 
And um, someone tuned in next week. We'll be here at Hartersville, Tom Beach. This is Ben and Kelly. You're listening to the Cyber Law Business Report. See quarters adjourned. See you next week. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.